What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with VC over Zoom video. VC was born and raised in Winnipeg in Canada and talks about how he got into music. Never took like piano lessons or a lesson on a musical instrument growing up, but his dad was way into hip hop, like 90s hip hop, and he would show him lines from songs, not full songs, but lines from songs that he thought were really cool. And this led VC to finding an old laptop, going up in his room and getting it on YouTube and exploring all of the Eminem catalog into Tupac and to Biggie and, and so on and so forth. VC was always a writer. He loved writing. He actually got his first writing gig when he was in elementary school. There was a girl band and they had him as their ghostwriter. So he talked about that. VC talked about putting up his first song on Facebook, getting a lot of positive feedback and comments that led him to continue to release music. He talked about meeting his manager who also manages Fosia, who we've had on this podcast. Very successful career uh, Fosia has. They have the same manager. He talked about how he landed that manager, meeting his producer, Pharaoh, putting out his first songs, and he goes into the concept behind his new collection of songs. Uh, he's released two episodes thus far, episode one, Audiophobia, and episode two, Red Window, and this is going to be 11 episodes, two songs per episode, and he talks about where the idea came from and the vision for the entire project as well. You can watch our interview with VC on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with VC. Awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, so I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey of music, and we'll talk uh, about your latest uh, record. Awesome. Sweet. Um, so first off, where were you born and raised? I was born actually in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, okay. and then I moved out to a place called Winnipeg when I was about five years old, um, and I was raised there uh, as well. Stayed there basically my whole life. Okay, so uh, Winnipeg is really where you grew up. and uh, Yeah, that's where I was home. Okay. What was it like growing up there? Cold? Very cold, yeah. Like one of the – our city actually gets so cold that we've exceeded temperatures of the surface of Mars and Antarctica. Like that's how cold it can get here. No way. What do you do in those situations? Just stay inside, obviously? I mean, as much as you can, but like in those situations, still people expect you to – go to school if you're in school or go to work if you're working. So like they don't care unless there's like tons of snow. It's, it's like go to work. The temperature doesn't matter. You go outside and literally freeze and they don't care. I think it has to be like minus 60 degrees Celsius before they start really being like, okay, maybe stay home. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So cold. Well, what about music? I did read that uh, you kind of got into hip hop, at least through your, your father. Yeah, so uh, when I was younger, my dad, he listens to a lot of hip-hop, Tupac, uh, Eminem, Biggie, like those types, that era. Um, 
and he introduced me to hip hop when I was younger. Uh, he didn't really want me listening to the music in full, obviously, because you know that type of music isn't always for kids. But I remember one time um, very vividly, he made me listen to like one line in one Eminem song, and then he was like, "Okay, leave." He just wanted to show me the one line he thought was cool, and I was like, super impressed. Like immediately, I was hooked, and I remember like taking an old hand-me-down laptop that I had out and going on YouTube. And then the whole rest of the entire night was just like look, going through the entire Eminem catalog and just like investing in my whole day in it. Oh, wow. What was the Eminem song? Do you remember? I, it was actually the real Slim Shady. Oh, okay. Yeah. What and I can't remember the line. I can't oh, remember, remember the lyric. That's the one thing I can't remember for the life of me. But I remember it was that song because I remember the music video. And he was because he was playing it off of YouTube as well. And then that's when I went immediately upstairs. And I just that was the rest of the night. Found it. Is that the video where he, it's just a bunch of him, right? Like yes, carbon copies exactly. of him everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, and but prior to that, were you in did you did your parents put you in like piano lessons or anything like that? Or as a kid growing up? Not really. I, I tried drumming at one point. I thought that was pretty cool. And then I just quickly realized that instruments just my brain can't do it. I don't know what it is. I just never picked up instruments. Writing, really good at, always loved it. Um, you know, obviously doing stuff with my voice and stuff, like that's that's fun for me, but I could never pick up an instrument. Okay. And when do you start writing? Was that just something that you've always kind of done? And when does that turn into writing songs? I've always wrote, wrote, it started just writing stories and just like, I, I remember for the longest time, like I've had just like this crazy, very colorful imagination. I could sit and just imagine a whole world for hours if I just sat and did nothing and it would be very fun for me. Um, but then I think around probably like, I don't know, 10, 11, maybe even younger, I start writing, trying to write music and then obviously wasn't very good at it, but like, I remember in elementary school, there was this group of girls that had uh, this little band. And I remember they came to me to write songs for them. And then I was this ghostwriter for these elementary school girls. And I got bullied for that, actually. <laughs> That's funny. You would write, what, the lyrics for them? Yeah, yeah. I remember being in class on a pizza loose leaf, just writing down lyrics. And then this kid come, came over my shoulder and being like, what are you doing? And then I just got bullied for it. <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah Did that kind of steer you away from writing like music at all when you got older or no maybe a little bit for a brief period um like in that age area where i just like was very unsure but i th I don't think it took very much or very long for me to just be like ah whatever i'm just gonna do it but i did it more secretly uh, you know to myself in my house not not ghost writing for the elementary school girls at that point got it and when yeah. do you get the confidence to kind of show people or like maybe even record something of your own and put it up on like SoundCloud or something like that? I was 14. I was in grade nine. I remember I found this, this old big L beat that I really, really liked. I just kind of stumbled across it and I wrote to, to it. And then I, I, uh, I ended up writing and recording, um, the song just off my iPhone. I basically just took my iPhone out on voice notes and just recorded the beat and myself all just in one take. And then I remember posting it on Facebook at the time. I was like, again, 14. And then a bunch of comments came through and people actually were like liking the song. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't know what, where the confidence just came from. I think I was just writing it. And, you know, there's a lot of confidence behind the big L beat itself. And I just like found myself in it. It was like, whatever, let's just do this. And then 
after that, I just never stopped. Okay. So yeah, you get obviously validation pretty early on from doing something like that, throwing up on Facebook. Okay. Let's see what happens. And people are actually saying, Hey man, like this is really good. Yeah. And honestly, whether or not those comments were like patronizing me or legitimate, like good job comments to this day, I still don't know, but it was enough for me to be like, Oh, I'm going to keep doing this. And I never stopped. Yeah. Nor does it matter. Right. I mean, no, you're like, okay, I'm going to take it as this. Love it. Let's keep going. Exactly. Okay. And from there, like were you just continually putting, like, would you try your songs out or would you put them all up on then Facebook? Was that something that you continued to do or like, what was kind of the next step for you? I think the first two songs, three songs were just straight up on Facebook. I don't know why I chose Facebook. I just, I don't know. That's what I did. And then I think it was, it, yeah, kind of. And then I think after my second or third, I was like, I'm just going to use my YouTube channel and I'm going to go on SoundCloud. And then I just found every avenue that I could and just uploaded it everywhere that I could. And I remember at one point when I started, I was so addicted to doing it that like I was posting something every single day for I don't even know how long. I would go home after school, write a song, record it on my iPhone and then release it. And then I think it took maybe like a week or two weeks before my, my mom and dad were like, let's go buy you a microphone and like an actual one. I was like, okay. And then that's when I got a, uh, I think it was a blue Yeti microphone at the time. That mm-hmm. was my first ever microphone bought that and then started continuing that just uh, with a little bit better equipment at that time. Were you using beats that you'd find on YouTube or like, how are you? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Cause I didn't know how to play instruments and I didn't know how to produce. Um, I just would go on YouTube and I would look up just like rap beats. And then that turned into like, you know, Eminem type beats and, Tupac type beats and then just like finding my sound through these different beats on YouTube I would record it and then just release it not even thinking about like copyright laws or any of that stuff I was just like this sounds cool post it and I would comment like this is this beat from this song and then I thought that would be enough right <laughs> and what do you do like at what point do you realize oh man like I to to really continue doing this I need to either write my own songs or kind of license or do that you know more the legal step of this all right it was actually later than i'd like to admit because i i just got so like oh this is so easy i'm just gonna keep i stopped using like straight like remixes for like i wasn't taking the real slim shady beat and i stopped doing stuff like that i would find Uh like small producers on youtube making their own beats and then i'd use those but i wasn't even thinking about licensing them i was just ripping them straight from youtube for a while and then i want to say probably four years ish four years ish in is when i started like licensing them and going through like their platforms and paying them whatever had to be paid and then but still using these youtube producers it probably wasn't until it, it, it actually it wasn't until my fifth year of making music when i worked with my first producer in a room making something from scratch Oh, what was that like? Like, how did you meet this producer? I met this producer through um, my now manager, Tim. Um, I guess they were already working together and I started working with Tim and he's like, how, like, where, you know, where do you usually do sessions? And I was like, my bedroom, like, who do you usually work with? No one, just myself. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put you in the studio with this guy who is, his name is Pharaoh. Um, And I've worked with him on probably like 90% of all of the, the songs that I have released and unreleased. Um, just cause we worked so well together. But I remember the first time being put in that room, I mainly was just a rapper and he mainly was just producing pop records. So it was two very different sides of the spectrum put in one room. And I remember just being like, ah, like, what do we do? Like, so yeah. 
but it was good because he started branching out and learning how to produce hip hop. And I started branching out because I was like, well, maybe I should learn how to sing a little bit. And then now that's why I do this thing where it's like, okay, I'm rapping and singing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Wow. And how did you meet your manager? Was that over the computer as well? Kind of. So I, it's actually a weird story how it really happened. Um, there's uh, an artist named Fosia that he works with. I'm sure you've probably heard of her because um, mm -hmm. she's great. She's do she's really doing well right now. And yeah, she he, I've also, had her on my show before. Fosia. Oh, awesome! Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So she's from kind of where I'm from. Um, not oh, really? from where I'm from, but she but yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah, she's Canadian. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. So I remember she. I think she was very young, and she did some type of talent show in some school that my dad's son was in that he was in that school and his mom was doing some like basically looking over that that talent show or whatever and he went out for dinner with us my dad's friend and was like hey have you ever heard of this girl like she did a talent show at my son's school i was like no i, I actually never heard of this girl and i reached out to her personally on facebook and i was like hey i'm an artist up and coming i'd love to do some type of collaboration with you and then I didn't, I didn't hear anything until her manager, Tim, reached out to me and was like, hey, Fozzie is not doing any collabs right now, but I listened to your song and I actually really like what you're doing. I, will lo I would love to set up some type of meeting. And it was like probably six months between the time I, I messaged Fozia and then like that message happened uh, from, from Tim. And then I was like, yeah, sure. But I didn't know anything about Tim at the time or really anything about Fozia. And then where I'm from, there's not like when someone approaches you and is like, I'm an artist manager, you where again, where I'm from, you don't really take that stuff seriously. So I was like, okay, yeah, like I'll meet you. I remember being though in this time in my career where I almost wanted to quit because I didn't really know where to go. I remember being in this, this place where I was like, uh, like I feel kind of stagnant. Maybe I should just quit and then do something else. And then, so, but when he, he reached out to me, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll, I'll take this meeting. And I remember waking up that day and not really wanting to leave my house to go meet with this random dude that I barely knew. So I just messaged him and I lied basically. And I was like, hey, my car, it's not working. I'm not going to be able to make it. And I don't know if you know Tim or how, how well you know him, but he's very persistent. I don't, so yeah, I don't I, know him at all. That's, oh, that's crazy. He's very persistent. So he was like, oh yeah, no worries. We'll do it tomorrow. Just like assuming that it was all going to be fine. I was like, God, okay, fine. We'll do it tomorrow. And then the next day I just, we met up and we had lunch. He said all the right things. Again, I was in a place where I was going to quit anyway. And so I was like, honestly, if this guy's scamming me, it just wasn't meant to be. So, but then we've been working together ever since. Really? Wow. That's, that's funny that he, <laughs> he kind of ghosted him on the first one. Yeah. Especially, I mean, yeah, because she, Fozia is mad. I mean, she's really a big, big artist, yeah. right? I think she signed to like Warner or something massive like that. Um, yeah, she's doing well. Yeah. But that's, that's crazy that, I mean, to have that, or Atlantic, I think she's not Atlantic. But, um, but for him to reach out and say, this is really good. And then when you had that conversation with him, was it like, oh, okay, this guy's legit? Like, when it you seemed that way. Met up? Yeah. It seems either he was really legit or he was like some super good con artist. And I was about to just, he was about to take everything. But then again, I was like, I'm going to quit anyway. So like, whatever, if he takes everything, it was, that's how it was supposed to go. But we were still working together. And that was four or five years ago. Wow. So if you wouldn't have came along, then you feel like you would have stopped doing music. 
I very, there is a high chance I would have stopped making music. And a lot of the things that a lot of the doors that got open for me after that was because of my partnership with Tim. Cause he was already working with Fozia. Fozia was kind of, you know, well-established at that point. She was like making her way up. Um, and he was working with Pharaoh who I work with now and I work really well with. So like I met Pharaoh through Tim and just like a lot of the avenues happened because of that meeting. And I, the, the fact that I was just like, whatever, sure. Let's just do it. So. <laughs> That's amazing. And so you start working with him and it was, did that significantly help as far as like, I mean, with Pharaoh and, and putting out music, were you, is that when you started putting out the songs that you have up now on like Spotify and everything like run down kind of, all those songs or professional? Yeah, kind of. So there was, there was a period where we just did kind of some revamping where I was like, I want to change my name. I want to change the look a little bit. Like I want to take things more seriously. And Tim was the one that was, he was helping me do that at that time. So there was a, a period where I wasn't releasing music after work, starting working with Tim, where I was just like, okay, I'm going to lay back. I'm going to figure it out, like perfect my craft. That's when I started working with Pharaoh, changing the sound. Everything started sounding a lot more professional at that point. And then just like figuring that out. And I think it, I can't remember the exact amount of time, maybe a year, maybe two, maybe even three. I honestly can't remember um, before we started releasing those songs. So down professional and runner. Um, but we released those quite closely to each other. But those were like my my uh, entry back after changing my name into what it is now, which is VC. Yeah, with VC, that it means what five? I think is what I was reading. Five, right? And, yeah. And so, what what's the story behind five? Or like, is there something that that number means to you? Or like, what does that kind of come from? So I remember sitting and having uh, breakfast with Tim at the time, in uh, and we were just kind of thinking about like, what could we change the name to? Like what's significant? And uh, there's a saying that says life goes in five year cycles. So every five years, if you look back, your life is probably, you know, in some way, largely different than it was five years before that. And I like that saying it's, it's always kind of stuck with me. Um, and I just actually got back from doing a tour in Europe as well, where I was there for a month. And like, that was life changing as well. And VC is a, is a, is a Finnish word. Um, so the direct connection between VC and why I named myself that is when I was changing my name, I was asking, I was talking to Fosia even. I, I was saying like, hey, what do you think I should change my name to? And she, she was at the time, she was saying like, Da Vinci's kind of cool. And I was like, it is cool. But like, I don't want to just like rip that name. You know, I don't think that was, <laughs> that's going to work for me. But that was the one that kept like cycling in my head. I was like, I can't just use that. But then um, VC and Da Vinci obviously sound very closely. And I was like, VC. And then Tim was like, what's that? I was like, it means five. And then, you know, and then it kind of fell into place. Cause that, when I was changing my name, it had been five years since I started making music. I was starting to work with Tim, changing my name, basically setting myself up for the next five years. So that's why the saying, you know, life kind of goes in five year cycles. And it really did truly change my life. Like from when I started to that point, And then from that point to now, completely different so it just it all kind of made sense that's cool i'm i i know the saying now that you mentioned it but i didn't think about that like being yeah. life in five-year circle uh yeah cycles that's um and so you've done the most recent one you have out is uh episode two red windows which is what like a like a two song like ep type thing right. um but yeah before that episode one kind of tell me like does episode one run into two like are they 
is there like a through line? Is it kind of like a concept or yeah. So uh, tell me about like chasing ghosts is a big song for you and autophobia with episode one. Like what, what did that mean going into this new um, episode two? Right. And how many episodes do we have? (laughs) So right now there's, Right now, there's two episodes, Autophobia and Red, Red Windows. There are more more episodes to come. Um, basically, we're releasing... Uh, we're going to be releasing 11 of them from the first one there. And what we're going to be doing is every one will have two songs on it. And at the end of it, it's going to be this collection of music called The Liminal Collection. So what The Liminal Collection is, is it's basically... Are you familiar with the, what liminal is and like that no. whole concept? No. no okay. So tell me about it. this is something that I fell in a deep, dark hole in during COVID actually. It, okay. it was something that kept like popping up all over my TikTok and just like the, the internet in general. And basically uh, what a liminal place is, is it's an image of a place that you see that looks extremely familiar. It provokes a feeling of fam- familiarity but it's not a place that you've ever been to before. So it makes you kind of feel unsettled because it's like, why does, why do I relate so heavily to this image when I've never been in this, in this place? And it's just just like this weird phenomenon of images um, where it uses special lighting and coloring and just things that make you feel nostalgic that provokes that. And I really, really loved this, this concept of like, why do I feel like I've been there, but I've never been there. And it almost gave me this feeling of connection. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I called this whole collection of music, the liminal collection. And that's basically that through line there because, and, and every episode, autophobia and red windows, these are words that are associated with the liminal um, theory. If you just, if you research it a little more and you get familiar with it. Um, but basically the concept is I want, I'm, I'm releasing music that is very personal and very vulnerable, very relatable so it's like when someone listens to these songs, they can almost feel like they're listening to their own story when in fact it's not really. So it's kind of that parallel between like, it looks like I've been at this place, but I haven't. Um, that's just due to the fact that like in Chasing Ghosts, for example, I get very vulnerable about past relationships. Um, or when I, in future episodes, and I talk about my family relationship issues, I'm getting, again, very vulnerable. And anyone who's been through these same things can listen and go, oh my God, it almost feels like this is exactly just the things that I'm thinking and the things that I'm feeling because I just let it all out there. And even like on the first episode, Autophobia, there's a song called Na Na Na, which if you listen to it at face value, it kind of just sounds like me rapping. There isn't any underlying message really that connects, but there is because that's me still being super vulnerable and putting my neck out there and just being like, I'm the best. Like, I really, truly feel like when it comes to rapping, I am the greatest. And it just, again, putting myself in a vulnerable situation for people to look at me and go, no, you're not, but I don't care. So it's just like me constantly making these relatable messages or putting myself out, out there for people to, to relate to. And that's what creates the liminal connect or collection. Sorry. Wow. That's cool. So do you, do you have, you obviously have the concept and does, um, like red windows and are those those you said those are pieces of if you look at what lim- the liminal thing is as a whole so does yeah. each ch- uh, episode have like pull from that and does the title relate to the storyline of the songs at all like uh with red windows does that relate to 
the, the two records that are on that? Yeah. So every, every name is going to have some type of relation to the liminal theory altogether. And then the songs, the, the titles got chosen and I basically took the songs and I plugged them in where I felt these songs related most to this verbiage or these, these words. So like red windows, for example, is a, is an image that you'll see a lot in liminal spaces. You'll see like, if there's a house and there's a window, there's, it's probably got a red light on the inside and it kind of provokes this warm, like what's going on in their type of situation. So in, um, in my second song lost who I am on episode two, it's this inner dialogue of when I first moved to LA for three months. Um, and just kind of like how I felt at the time where I was like doing all these things and I was away from my friends, away from my family. And I feel like people were always looking in and being like, what's going on inside his head. Cause I was just kind of like always in this, like what is going on and not really saying it out loud. A lot of it was more just in my head. And I, I probably looked nuts. Cause I was always just like, not able to compute what was happening because everything was going very fast. So it's kind of that, that thing where people look and go, I wonder what's happening in his head right now, which is like, when you see that red window, you're, you're like, I wonder what's going on inside that house right now. Yeah. I love that. And with this, you know, project rolling out, you said there's 11 episodes. Do you have all of the songs together and you're just kind of going to have like a theory of how you're going to release them or you're still working on plugging in those songs? Right. So what I did is I took a long time off um, after even releasing the the rundown EP, which is down professional runner there. I took a long time to perfect my craft again. I wanted to level up again. Um, and I stacked up so many songs, like hundreds of songs um, that I just basically songs. I look back now and there are songs I would have loved to have released that now I never would. But that's basically why I took that time off where it's just like I really kept on growing and now because I did that and I'm ready to release again, I have all this music. I just have to put it into these collections and or these small episodes and then release them. So it's all planned out. All the music is ready. Obviously, if I go ahead and I make a song that I feel might fit better to what I'm, I'm talking about or anything, I might swap something out. But right now, it's all pretty set in stone. I love that. Cool, man. Well, I uh, can't wait to hear the rest of the episodes. Uh, what you're doing thus far is, is awesome. And I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. One more quick question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I would say, honestly, just stay true to yourself. I like, I know that sounds corny and everyone says that, but honestly, looking back when I started making music, a lot of my mindset was how could I impress this person or how could I be like this person? But when I closed myself off and I was just like, I'm going to I'm only making music for myself. I'm not releasing it. So it doesn't matter what I do or say or how it sounds. That's when I truly found what I liked to do. And now it, everything became a lot more fun so that when you really truly start making music for what you like and you're true to yourself, it'll be more fun and it'll just, it'll, it'll make the results come quicker. I think. <laughs>